Hello everyone and welcome to the 8th Commune podcast on Metroid Prime Federation Force. My name is Daniel and I am once again joined by my two buddies, Adrian and Greg. Um, Greg, please say something. Yellow. That was something. And um, Adrian, please say something of your preference. Something of your preference. Very good. Very good. So... It looks like this will be our final podcast after what, like seven hours, like almost a whole working <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Almost a whole working day of talking about Metroid Prime Federation Force. We've hmm. finally reached the end of our tether. <laughs> um, and so for this podcast, we'll be um, talking about uh, Metroid Prime Blast Ball, uh, which is a side game um, that is separate from the main Federation Force campaign. It's still you know, a part of Federation Force, um, so you get it when you get the game. If you want to play along, you're welcome to do that. Um, you can, If you have a 3DS, you can head over to the uh, Nintendo eShop and download a, um, like a demo version of uh, Blast Ball. And I'm pretty sure that the demo that's on the eShop is um, more or less the final like the final version. I don't think there's any significant changes. No. No. And so I should also say that we will probably do some conclusions at the end and uh, frame Federation Force in the context of the other Metroid Prime games that have come before it, not including Metroid Prime Pinball. (laughs) So, uh, let's get to it. Um, Greg, if you could uh, run us through what is... Blast Ball, and how does it differ from the main campaign? Sure. So, Blast Ball is a sport like soccer or hockey, where you have a field and there's uh, one goal on each end of the field, and each goal belongs to a different team. You score by getting a by getting a ball into a goal. But um, in hockey, you use a hockey stick. In soccer, you use your foot. And in Blast Ball, because it's part of Federation Force, you use your gun. You use your gun to push the ball. And this actually works a whole lot like pushing the ball in some of the missions in Federation Force proper. Um, and there are three players on each team and no goalies. So, you know, someone can stay back and play goalie, but they're not uh, strictly there by the rules. Um but unlike Federation Force, there's a uh, there's like a temperature gauge on your gun where if you shoot it too much, it can overheat. Um, although charge shots do not make it build heat, and uh, also after each point, um, the goal gets smaller and smaller, which makes successive goals more difficult, and that's. Uh, the basic setup of Blast Ball. Uh, to clarify one thing about the charge shot, uh, what happens is that once you have the charge full, and but you're still holding it, after that time period, then you begin regaining uh, temperature. And ultimately, um, the function of you know this limitation um, on the charge beam is to help make the game. You know, just a bit more cleaner. I think if players, if there were a higher um, density of um, uh, of beam attacks in Blast Ball, it'd probably be. I mean, it's already pretty chaotic. It'd probably be a bit too chaotic without that limitation. 
and you know it, it's also got that sort of um, um, that sort of um, mechanical balance as well in that it forces players to um, you know think through their shots and not just um, you know just fire for the sake of firing because if they do that then you know they'll soon um, you know hit that um, heat limit so if uh both ways of shooting uh require a commitment when you do the pellet shot you're racking up heat and you will eventually have to pay off to cool down or if you do a charge shot your commitment is up front and you have to put time in before you can actually shoot mhm mm. yeah that's right and so i guess it encourages like a it encourages players to use both types of shooting is there anything we've missed? Um, I think we've covered pretty much everything. Oh, you know what? One one really big thing I forgot is that um, the lock-on feature works like it does in normal Federation Force gameplay. You can lock onto the ball and use your gyro to aim at particular points on the ball, but your lock-on will never lock onto an opposing teammate. Or, yeah, a, a member of the opposing team. Hmm. Yeah, that's really helpful because, you know, just by activating that lock-on, it orientates you on towards where the action is, so that's quite useful. Um, I think as well, just for context, um, this section of Federation Force is, uh, it has like a sort of a single-player um, five-match mode, and it also has um, like your online multiplayer uh, as well, and you can you know, jump in the lobbies and whatnot. So has uh, tournaments and exhibitions. That's the one. Adrian, what are some of the um, the core, um, I guess, like the core tensions or the core um, forces within the um, last ball game design that players need to be conscious of when um, when playing? Well, aside from the ball, the main source of tension is naturally going to be the other players shooting at the same ball that you are. Another major source of tension are the power-ups that can be picked up. Uh, the way it works is that as you continue to shoot the ball, once a certain number of shots are made, the ball will launch out a power-up out of it. There are, I believe, three types of power-ups. One is the boost. Another is... Wait. Ejection? Yeah, and the other another is inject the ejection, but I actually I think that's it. There's just two power ups. There's a shield. Oh right? yeah, I think th- yeah. There's a shield, I believe. Is there? There's also um the one interesting power up is the healing items that each end of the field has, mm-hmm. and you can only pick up uh, healing items on your end of the field. So you might push a ball into the enemy's territory to score a goal. And when the enemy is there, they can heal themselves more easily. So that kind of pushes back against the uh, slippery slope. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. th- and the opposing players are not only a source of tension just for, you know, competing over the ball, but just because of the fact that they can shoot you and destroy your mech. I think one of the main um, tensions in Blast Bowl is the lower level challenge of trying to triangulate between yourself the ball and the goal sort of like how in like some um, 3d platformers you might 
uh, like say, like say uh, Super Mario 64, how you'd spin, uh, how you'd triangulate the camera Mario in a platform, so you'd have them lined up so they would simplify space. With with Blast Ball, I think it's it's a bit tricky because more often than not, the position of these three things is such that you usually can't lock on and shoot straight ahead at the uh, at the ball in order to get a goal. You have to um, strafe a lot. You have to use your gyro so as to angle your shots, uh, and that's something. You know, that's one of the main challenges of this mode. You have to lead your shots effectively, which means read where the enemy wants to put the ball so that your shot hits the ball, not where it is, but where it will be. And then you have to hit, you know, the right spot on the ball to make it move the way you want. Yep. And I think with all those players there, you know, that element of um, prediction is really um, stressed because players have to have a high awareness as to what other potential influences could be um, on the ball at any point. Unfortunately, you know, the um, the individual uh, pellet shots don't really push the ball too much. So I guess the main thing that the player has to be conscious of is, you know, charge shots, items, things like this, more so than individual pellets. Also the ball type. <laughs> yes. Tell us about that. So... Normally the ball is just a normal ball, it rolls around, um, has some significant weight to it so that pellets don't push it too much, um, and if you touch it, you get damaged. But there is also a bouncy ball, which has a weird curvy pattern on it, um, and I believe it does normal damage, but it just uh, it goes into the air more easily, so if you... Uh, hit it with a charge shot on the lower hemisphere, it'll go into the air, and if it's a bouncy ball, it'll go higher into the air, and it'll bounce more before coming to rest. And the other type of ball is the... Um, is molten. It, it just looks like it's uh, made of lava, pretty much. And it... If you touch it, you get mega damaged, and I think it leaves a trail behind, right? Yeah, there's like a radial sort of effect when it hits the hits the floor. It's only slight, but um, yeah. So yeah, you don't want to hug that one. I think the bouncy ball was kind of like those um, beach balls at concerts. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it because you're in the stadium. Yeah, and you're like you know, looking up, waiting for it to come your way. <laughs> hmm. um, so what other tensions have we not covered? Oh, I think we got it. I think one other thing that I just wanted to add was um, I find semi-charged shots to be to also be pretty effective. I think another thing uh, that I realized recently now that helps with playing is that the ball doesn't actually move instantaneously to every shot. You can actually see it glow before all influencing shots actually cause it to move. So it has a sort of hit pause going on. Is that mm. like because I was thinking about that? Is that like a solution for lag? Could be, um, but it also makes it um, easier to react to the ball moving around. Because if you see it glow, you know, okay, the ball's about to move, and then you can respond once it actually does finalize its movement. 
How would you phrase the usefulness of the semi-charged shots? In that they're... The semi-charged shot's usefulness is that they're a shot you can get out quick and that can move the ball a good distance much better than the pellet shots can. But also okay. not being nearly as unwieldy or without wanting it to go as far as a full charge shot. Because charge shots in this game actually come in three levels. So use the level one and two charge shots to get the ball going where you want it to with more precision. When you say... Levels, Adrian. Are you like referring to like there's uh, like that feedback in the um, arm cannon? Mm -hmm. Are you uh, are you saying that there's like three um, individual um, sort of visible states on the on the cannon? Is that what you mean? Yeah. And aren't those shots different sizes? Yes. Okay. And probably different sound effects too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. They also do deal naturally different amounts of damage when you start shooting the other players. <laughs> yep. Um another tension is how the goal gets smaller as you score more points. Yeah, it sort of prevents that um like one team just getting ahead. Um, and so in that way, it's like, it's easier up to get on the first goal and then it gets unprogressively more difficult. And so, right. um, I suppose in that way, it sort of makes it easier for players to get into the game, you know, like to just start to feel like they're, um, making some progress. Um, whereas in the, in the middle and in the, um, near the end of the matches, it can move the game stay on can move closer towards stalemate. Um, so, what would you say is a stalemate in this game, and how do you get out of it? So, stalemate usually it's when it's really hard to get the ball to get the ball going anywhere because everybody's shooting it at the same time, or the ball's just going back and forth, back and forth, but no one's able to get it into the other team's goal quickly enough uh, because. You know, each side is responding to the other quickly enough um, that uh, it doesn't. Nobody makes any progress. One way to break a stalemate, though, is uh, to start shooting <laughs> the other players. So it's like, if the problem is that the other people keep, you know, shooting the ball back and undoing your progress, well, one thing is to well get rid of them. And this is where team dynamics come into play because someone on your team. Uh, needs to figure out, hey, we're not going anywhere. Time to take some of these guys down and put the odds back in our favor. Uh, another way to break up stalemates and is to use the gyro to aim low at the ball and deliberately launch it into the air to where it's much more difficult to shoot at it because since shots in Federation Force travel through space, shooting at the ball while it's moving around in the air uh, is much harder because since it's being affected by gravity, it's easy to just completely miss. You need to lead your shots as it's arcing in midair. So that's another way to break up a stalemate. Mm. It's also, with that last uh, technique, it's also easier to, it's easy to dislodge on the ball from the area of the stalemate. And usually stalemates uh, involve like all the players um, sort of 
in congregated um, around um, one particular area of the court. And so, yeah, yeah, if you can dislodge it, then you can just create a clean break, um, Mm -hmm. which is quite useful. That typically happens in the corners, too. It's a good way to get it out of get it out there yeah stalemates are really high level like another concept of playing blast ball just um just aiming at the ball and trying to counter the other team uh works in like a moment-to-moment basis but recognizing a stalemate means recognizing a sequence of uh a sequence of moments and kind of stringing them together and uh noting uh, that they're all very similar. So uh, I have trouble recognizing stalemates because I'm still caught in like that micro game, and it requires a more distanced, abstract view of the overall course of the match. Yeah, that's a really, really strong point. I think it's um, yeah, blast balls are a game where you're really, um, and I'll get to this point a bit later, I suppose. But it's a it's a game where you really um stuck in the moment and you're constantly dealing with the you know with the small um moment to moment you know pockets of actions and it's hard to um well perhaps actually adrian i'd be quite interested in your thoughts on this but it seems like it's harder to to have like a higher order series of strategies in which to to um to use in certain situations because it's it it can be difficult to foresee those situations and then for that to register and then for you to then initiate a certain strategy. What do you think? Yeah, I think one thing that I know I certainly need to integrate more uh, when playing is just using the bottom screen because it shows you, you know, a little mini map of where everyone is on the court. And if you can understand that you don't always, you need to... also integrate more being able to shoot the ball but not have it go directly straight you can get rid of those situations where you're lined up in front of the ball shooting it to either goal and he's lined up in front of the ball shooting it to either court to where it's much easier for you to simply shoot it have a curve off to the left and shoot it have a curve back into the back right into the goal um forcing the opposing player to also have to contend with that and also a way to learn for your team and learning when to play with your team when to come together and spread yourselves out because if you notice that their teammates are all grouped together um like that that's a that right there i think is actually a pretty good time to start shooting them down whereas if they're all spread out um thankfully when they're spread out that is also a good time to start shooting at them but it's usually when they're all grouped together then that they have a great influence on getting the ball and you know one versus three that doesn't work out too well yeah um i think an interesting point there is that when you're leading your shot and you're using your gyro and you're pushing and you're guiding the ball into the goal you know it's not always the other team but it can also be people on your own team who are doing the same thing but they've got their own idea and therefore the two of you are displacing each other's shots and so you know that falls back onto the team dynamics um as you say adrian but then but then you have to within 
that moment or even before that moment happens, you have to communicate that information. And I suppose that's not that difficult to do. You, you could just say, I've got it or something like that. But um, You can also read uh, the well, body language, quote-unquote body language <laughs> of the person shooting the ball. Yeah, that's true, yeah. And I suppose you, know, you can also... Um, assess that triangulation effect again like if someone has a very clear shot at the goal then you should just you know leave them to it but um i have this theory and i'm interested on to hear what you guys think uh, well there are three key parts to my argument and the first one is that there are um, a lot of forces that act on the blast ball at, at one time and you know you're first-person viewpoint is also quite limited, and so it's hard, and so it can be quite challenging to predict um, where the ball is going on to move to, and you're sort of stuck in the moment-to-moment gameplay, and it's hard to break out of that. The second part is that um, triangulating your view, the ball and the goal, is really a very difficult task. And, and, you know, I found that even when we're in the sort of at the pre-match part of the game and we'd just, you know, be mucking around, it was still quite hard to push the ball into the goal without anyone else shooting the ball. Um, maybe that just shows how incompetent I am, I don't know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and so I think because of these things that I've described, I think that last ball, it kind of... Um, I've got, you know, I've written in the notes that it devolves into a soccer game played by eight-year-olds. <laughs> what I mean by that is, um, everyone chases the ball, doing their best to push it to the other end of the field, where there is like a like a higher chance of someone getting lucky and scoring a goal. And I think because of the things I mentioned before, it's it's really hard to play assertively in blast ball, and. So, therefore, on the game, sort of devolves into that eight-year-old soccer match. Um, or maybe I'm just, you know, incompetent. I don't know. Um, what are your thoughts, teammates? When you say assertively, how do you mean? <laughs> That's a good question. What I mean is um, being able to have an idea of how and where you wish to move the ball and then being able to execute on that. Okay. In a sense, it's like the task is just so inherently difficult in and of itself. And so everyone's kind of like struggling, 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 and then they get a goal. And they get lucky and they get a goal. That's sort of how it feels. But maybe I'm putting my own interpretation or my own feelings ahead of you know what the game actually is in this sense. I think there are a couple of mitigating things. Um, one, there isn't too much to differentiate teams. Like the field is pretty small and uh it's just a rectangle um there's the occasional power up but um for the most part everybody's playing on the same level and so i i don't feel uncomfortable being stuck in that micro game like that's where the game is interesting trying to read where people are shooting and trying to counter shoot and Maybe this is because we mostly played computers, but I don't think that's like an insurmountable task. It never felt like the ball was just going random places. It was like either, you know, either my shot worked or 
the other team thought of a way to counter my shot, and it's not like I was confused about what the ball was doing. I suppose it is kind of like soccer then in that sense, isn't it? Because most of the game, like in a, what I, I don't know how long a, um, a proper soccer match goes for, maybe 90 minutes or something, but within that time, you know, they might score four goals. And so there's a lot of, you know, as you say, Greg, that push and pull in the middle. And and the game is that constant uh, is a constant struggle for that middle ground. Mm-hmm. Mm. What do you think, Adrian? Yeah, the first the first hurdle that players playing basketball are going to have to overcome is, you know, just getting good at shooting the ball. If you're stuck with using lock on and not gyro, um. It really would devolve into that, you know, eight-year-old playing soccer game because everyone cannot shoot the ball into the goal unless they're directly lined up, you know, with the goal. So that's why learning how to shoot the ball, to shoot it at different angles becomes important so that you're not limited to having to line yourself up uh, with the ball directly to the goal. You can shoot it from various other positions. The next point then becomes to be learning how to lead your shots. Because once you know that, okay, I'm good at shooting the ball, you also realize that, oh, wait, other people are shooting the ball. And if they shoot the ball and I'm too close to the ball, not it can then run into me and then deal, da- deal damage. So you have to get good at being able to shoot the ball, but not being so close to it that the ball can knock you out should it roll into you. This also helps with being able to shoot the ball and then continue shooting the ball because as the ball gets further away from you, you then have to lead your shots more uh, with the direction that it's going in. It's interesting in that sense that the the challenge is kind of proportional to how close you are to the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So another skill is being able to not only just do a shot, but also being able to do a follow-up shot. And this is also where team dynamics come into play, where if you realize that your teammate has a shot on the ball then you can set yourself up so that once they shoot it you have another easy shot to follow it up and get it into the goal provided that not too many other of the opposing players get in the way of that so that's actually the third step it's it's the team aspect of it which is learning how to coordinate yourself so that Wherever the ball should go for one player, another player can back them up once it starts getting too far away from them to where they don't have as strong an influence over the ball anymore. Learning when to go on defense, uh, especially with that ejection power-up. Once you see it come out of the ball, it's like, oh crap, it's that one power-up. Oh no, they got it. Everyone hurry up, run to the other side so they don't get a free goal. Yeah. Yeah, things like that. So, so then your your answer to the question is that I'm incompetent and we don't work as a team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the team one, no, that team one is hardest uh, to get because that's the nature of the first person perspective, where you can easily lose track of where everyone else is, which is why you actually do really need that mini map on the bottom, because it's so easy to accidentally wander in front of, of someone else's shooting. Because, you know, they were loading a charge shot, so you couldn't see their, you know, because they weren't, you know, rapid firing or doing anything else before, so you might accidentally step in front of someone, and then they waste a charge shot shooting it into your back. 
I feel like I really want to play this now and get better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I keep I, I keep dabbling uh, into it every now and then when I think, oh, maybe I should play this way. I think the one uh, discouraging thing, though, is the lack of human players. Uh, typically, at the times that I, you know, start getting interested in wanting to play, and the fact that you know it's just a bunch of complete strangers. There's a bit of the um, the steel diver effect in a way, isn't there? Yeah, and that's when you really realize that, man, part of these games, you really do need the team. Uh, you can't just go at it alone. Because, uh, again, you know, if the other team or the other, even just the other set of AI is more coordinated, uh, one guy shooting the ball is not going to overwhelm three guys shooting at the same ball. Yeah, and that's something actually that, that um, comes out in the um, single player. Like, you know, I found that once I had you two guys with me, it was like I could fly through the um, like the campaign. But if it was just me, you know, I, I mean, I could get, like I played the game enough to be able to, um, you know, get all, like 100% everything. Like, you know, as we said at the start, all 100% of this game. But like, yeah, it gets really tough when you're just by yourself. And your other teammates, in this case, the AI, kind of doesn't really do very much. Mm -hmm. It's also those frustrating moments where the AI, like the ball's all the way on the other side, you just need to like just just gently walk it in, and then they keep like shooting it right past the goal. It's like, damn it! And that's something I've said um, in the notes actually is that I've noticed there's two kind of um, AI. Uh, behaviors there's the like they're either really tame or they're over enthusiastic yeah and it's probably better to be over enthusiastic because at least the, um when they're over enthusiastic they're you know they're still pushing the ball to the other side of the field but if they're tame then they just kind of like don't do anything mm-hmm. um actually one of the problems with the um really enthusiastic ai is that they can also like totally displace your shots when you're going for the goal which is but I guess that just you know that's just replicating teamwork. <laughs> yeah, that's a, another part of teamwork is that you have the ability to help your teammate, and you have just as much ability to get in their way. Yes. Um, so, Greg, fill us in on some strats. Some strats. Well, definitely, you want to keep in mind the difference between uh, charge shots and pellet shots, and vary it up whenever um, the opposing team isn't expecting it to get yourself out of stalemates. Of course, there's using gyro, like Adrian mentioned, where you can uh, hit the ball askew. That's like you're always... <laughs> you should probably pretty much always be doing that. And you can free it out of stalemates using the uh, bouncing technique by launching it into the air. Uh, there's also a couple more specific strategies. Like, uh, I remember the ejection power-up was really nasty. The ejection power-up, uh, it's this green arrow, and whenever someone picks it up, and uses it, uh, the opposite team gets uh, a little countdown, and then they get kicked out of their mech um, have to run back in. So that incapacitates your entire team for a couple of seconds. And uh, But your mech still is there, so one very specific counter to that is to just put all your mechs in the goal, and then someone can't shoot the ball past your mechs. Um, but... Your warning time on the ejection is very limited, so that was typically kind of a scramble. Um, maybe a more general 
tactic was to lure the AI in a particular way or to shoot the AI when they're in a particularly strategic position. So you might um, fake the AI towards your end of the court and then shove it past them. Oh, and one particular tactic that I really enjoyed was shooting opponents before the match starts. <laughs> well, I mean, we haven't really talked about that much, have we? That uh, that center bounce, it's um, very similar to um, Australian football, um, which um, I suppose most listeners won't be familiar with, but at the start of... Does it also have know, guns? Uh, no, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. So, uh, at the start, well, after each goal and at the start of the match and at the start of each quarter, um, th- there'll be a person in the middle who'll take the football and throw it up into the air, and then there'll be two players who are close to the front, and they'll run in and sort of jump and try and knock the ball over to their side. And it's, it's very similar to how blast ball starts off, where you've got the blast ball sort of being lowered into the stadium and it kind of waits at the top and then three, two, one, and then it drops. And so as it's going on, your, um, your mech is locked into its position. But you can still shoot and you can still um, aim at that time. And so, you know, Greg, as you said, you'd aim for the enemies and start whittling down their health. But what I like to do, especially in single player, is I would um, start charging my uh, start charging my um, charge beam, and then just as the ball was falling, if you hit it, if you release the charge beam so that it hits sort of underneath the ball, you can peg it up into the air, and if you're straight on and your aim is perfect, you can have it go straight into the goal, and that's how you get. Well, that's how you get easy goals, and it's also how you get one of the um, um, the achievements where you have to like get a goal in less than like five seconds. I think the yeah. best time I've got is like two seconds, so I'm very proud of that. <laughs> um, and another another strategy I like is actually charge shotting the blast ball so that the blast ball will then slam into um, nearby opponents and then take down their health. Yeah, that is nice. If you can recognize when the other team is getting a bit too close to the ball, especially when corners is where that usually happens. So another strategy besides, you know, instead of going shooting it into the goal, maybe shoot it into them. You have that alongside with, you know, shoot the ball up into the air so that uh, you can have a bit of a reprieve before everyone goes back to shooting it when it lands again. Uh, actually, that is a strategy uh, we've already brought up before, and that's shooting it, shooting the ball into the air whenever there's a, an apparent stalemate. Um, another trick as well is to, although although the corners can be quite tricky because the ball can kind of sometimes get stuck there, you can um, charge shot the ball into the corner or uh, uh, into the corner so that it follows the perimeter and moves closer to so like it curls its way around into the goal and that's really useful if if there isn't like a goalie um present because that means you can um very quickly get it close to the goal but um you know, but if there are 
you know, if there's a goalie, then it's like, you know, it'll probably quickly lead to a stalemate. You also got to remember the edge of the arena is looped. And so what effect does, would you say it has on the overall gameplay then? So if you're trying to move it around the edge or push it into a goal, not only are you trying to push the ball a certain way against someone else and with your teammates, but also against the force of gravity as it falls down the slope. Yeah, yeah that's true. It also helps uh, with Daniel's point earlier that the corners in this game, they're actually rounded. They're not you know sharp 90-degree corners. So that's what makes that strategy effective. Mm, a good point. I was also going to mention that um, I just realized that the that the symbol for the um, uh, uh, the, uh, the green glowing symbol for the ejection item it, it looks exactly like the eject buttons that you see on CD players. <laughs> you know, it's got the triangle and it's got the yeah, line. Yeah, that's huh, I never put that together. <laughs> Form fits function. Um, that's kind of funny as well because it kind of means it like it creates an analogy between the mechs and CD players. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> that's but uh, yeah, no, but that's pretty clever, isn't it? Um, yeah, a few more strats as well. Um, instead of just pushing the ball around all the time, leave it on your side and then wait for the AI to move towards, like to come down your end and plan it so that there's an opening and you can then you know, do the technique that we've mentioned before, which is, you know, push it up into the air, over their heads, back to the end of the, like back to the other side of the pitch. But generally, you know, it's more about um, just having them all come down one side and then you breaking through their pack, like you're looking for a, um, for a hole in their defense and then shooting through that to, uh, and if you can do that, you, know, you then you can have a clear run towards the goal, which is what you're after. Yeah, that is pretty good. Yeah, I think we've covered pretty much everything. Adrian, did you want to compare Blast Ball with Rocket League? Uh, I don't think there's much I'm able to say. Rocket League, well, the one of the reasons for that is, the, is just the fact that Rocket League runs extremely poorly on my laptop, so... I mean, I, I've mostly just spent time in the practice mode, but even then the game looks absolutely terrible and it chugs. So, Rocket League is just a game that I, my computer is just not fit for. I need a new one. Uh, but from what I have played of the game, it is much more uh, physics-based. Uh, not just because of the fact that you're driving a car around, so you're dealing with vehicle dynamics. The cars can also drive up on the wall. You have all you have much more moves. Um, that is uh, side flips, which you use to interact with the ball. And uh, a friend of ours actually put it very neatly when describing. Uh, Rocket League is that you're basically driving around a giant foot, <laughs> and that foot, <laughs> <laughs> and all the ways that you can drive that foot around uh, are the ways that you can kick the ball. <laughs> you should. Uh, there should be a mod where uh, someone staples a leg on it, and then suddenly. It's like a Quap League or something. 
<laughs> That'd be pretty cool. Man, that's such a good analogy. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Blast Ball is not actually that direct where you're trying to ram yourself into it and you use the your speed, acceleration, and even the angle and the hitbox of yourself to influence the direction of the ball. You know, not quite like that. You are shooting the ball. So, on the one hand, Rocket League is more complex. On the other hand, Rocket League is more complex. Boy, is it a lot harder to get into that game. I mean, so it's hard enough just... More of the uh, more of the chaos that Daniel was talking about. Yeah, I, I mean, if you thought a blast ball was chaos and hard enough to get into the goal, well, look at Rocket League. <laughs> it, it easily goes in the same thing and definitely gets a lot closer to uh, what Richard is theorizing, you know, about raw gameplay because it, it's something that tends to happen as you get more physics-based where things can easily become more unpredictable and... Chaotic. Yeah, very dynamic. Yeah, very dynamic, almost too dynamic in a way. Um, yeah. Blast Ball is a bit more controlled, but even then it's still pretty damn hard. And and when you're at, and when your skills aren't quite developed yet, you get, you know, eight-year-olds playing soccer. And part of the reason why the game looks like that uh, may not have to do with the design, but just the fact that we're all still playing at a, a low skill level. Uh, I cannot, with any confidence, say that I'm at a high skill level. I'd say I'm intermediate, maybe. Maybe. Hmm. It'd be interesting to to see like a commentated video of a uh, of a blast ball match from the developers, sort of like in the same way that Nintendo have done with um, Arms and um, yeah, um, with the new Switch game called Arms, where they've sort of showed some of the higher level strategies that are possible. It'd be neat to see how the um, developers play Blast Ball. Yeah, that would be... uh, That would be really possible if there was decent matchmaking. Yeah. That... that, That's that's not quite extraneous, but that is something that's very true, is that Blast Ball's online features are fairly mediocre. Um, makes it hard to chase higher level strategies because if you want to organize a tournament or anything like that, it's going to be very uh, taped together or something. Yeah, it's um, it's so odd because you have it. We were very easily able to you know set up a session to play regular Federation Force, but once we get into Blast Ball, it's like we can't even set up a room, and we just have to jump into the game and hope all three of us get into the same room so and it was weird actually because half the time it would put us into separate rooms by ourselves and yeah we had to learn that trick where like one of us would go in first yeah (laughs) yeah yeah adrian and i are very familiar with how this works from steel diver yeah Um, so that's disappointing although at least um sorry uh, at least with steel diver there is a meverse community who um you know still like three what three years after the game's been out like they're still pretty dedicated they have clans they you know things like this but that's unfortunately not the case for the federation force or the blast ball um um Miiverse community which is a, which is actually a separate community from federation force it's um 
yeah, there's no clans or anything. So it's, yeah. it's quite in, um, inactive relative to the um, to the Steel Diver one. Uh, sorry, Greg. Uh, would you say matchmaking comprises the metagame? <laughs> that's, a, that's a little humor there. I don't know how to answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should um, move on to our conclusion, I think. If that's okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait. So. That's right, Greg. This is the part where we compare um, the Metroid okay. Prime trilogy and possibly even Metroid Prime Hunters with Federation Force, which I think is. It is quite a useful thing to do. So, um, because you know each of these um, sets of games are quite unique from the other, especially Metroid Prime Pinball, <laughs> 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 which I haven't played actually. Um, so, Adrian, Greg, um, what do you think? How is Federation similar or different to other Metroid Prime games? So we mentioned earlier how Blast Ball is like an evolution of the Metroid well not an evolution, but like a they take the Metroid Prime gameplay as a basis and flesh out the shooting mechanics more. Uh with with gyro and with mods and etc. Um and so it successfully moves the game into more of a standard first person shooter gameplay. And uh, the Prime games have some of that going on with uh, Metroid Prime 2 Echoes has a multiplayer mode. And if I recall correctly, the main tension there is um, you got to lock on to the other person and they can shake your lock on by going into into morph ball mode. And uh, I guess the idea of that sounds good enough, but it kind of... I don't think it really goes anywhere. Um, no, yeah, there's not enough like, um, depth for anything to it, really. Right. And uh, Metroid Prime Hunters, um, the campaign... The, well, the enemies in the single-player campaign are kind of boring. And in the multiplayer, I don't think it was particularly well-balanced. So um, you had certain forms that were just simply more powerful. And Silex? Yeah. And uh, I don't think any of them were actually all that interesting anyway. Like, um, you know, in Federation Force, if you choose to use a shock shot or a missile, like, that's an important choice, and they have different effects. Whereas I feel like Hunters didn't have that level of differentiation. It didn't have the complexity required to be interesting. Um, So... Prime games had tried before modifying how the gameplay worked to be more of a straightforward first-person shooter, and it just didn't work out, and that Federation Force has put the sufficient elbow grease into fleshing out gameplay that it actually became interesting. Would you say that the um, lack of uh, um, the lack of um, complexity and depth in hunters is a um, is a consequence of the faster game speed. I never thought of it that way. 
Um, I mean, there's nothing saying you can't have elemental effects because the speed is too fast. But, um, well, actually, now that you say it, um, because it's committal, the, right? I mean, as you <laughs> as you said in your recent video, Greg, <laughs> um, like this idea of because in Federation Force, um, everything will like you know the your your mechs move slower and your you know, and your beam shots and everything move slower. Therefore, you know everything has a weight or has more weight and commitment. Whereas moving and shooting in um, hunters was quite fast. There's that, and there's also I think either it was either you or Adrian had this point in a prior podcast. Um, the slower movement speed means everything has a higher commitment, and the slower movement speed makes it possible to use gyro inte- intelligently so that, you know, what makes Federation Force interesting at its core is that you have the, like, larger realm of aiming where you lock onto an enemy and shoot towards them, and then you have, like, micro-aiming where you use your gyro to adjust yourself. And you can't have that with fast gameplay. Like, uh... With everybody zooming around, you can't make very intelligent micro kind of moves. And so, um, Hunters has stylus-based aiming, so you could, in in theory at least, uh, aim at different parts of a body, but everything's moving so fast, why would you bother? Yeah. I think uh, this, does sound, this does ring a bell to me. And I think another point I made, in addition to the speed, was that it also makes it harder... Uh, for you, the player, to run away because you don't have that speed advantage. So you can't do a hit-and-run strategy. You have to stand your ground more. It also makes it easier for the enemies to hit you since you can't just zoom out of the way. There's more, I mean, I guess because of that, there's more sparring, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. There's more of that interplay where they're firing, you're able to see what they're firing, and you're able to react to that. Or they're up close, and they're you know like, and so on and so forth, as we talk about in the third, in the first podcast. Yeah, whereas pretty... you don't have that same uh, sparring dynamic in uh, Echoes multiplayer. Yeah, no, I think the Echoes multiplayer is kind of <laughs> like it. It was such a letdown because you know when I spent you know freaking eighty dollars for the Metroid Prime trilogy collection. Which has that really nice box. It's so nice. Oh yeah, I love but that. but when I got it, my box is in Russian or something. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> like like I bought it on um, Amazon UK because um, because I needed a copy of it, like a PAL copy of it, and I was getting uh, this is a long story, but um, I was living in China and I was getting a workmate to to um, buy a copy. Uh, to buy a Wii and to buy a copy of Metroid Prime Trilogy so I could write my first book about Metroid Prime Trilogy. And because that took so long, I decided I'm to write about Warrior Land 4 instead. <laughs> Probably <laughs> yada, yada, yada. better. Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. Metroid Prime uh, would have been taking you a decade. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, sorry, that's a distraction. Um, go on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So tri- Trilogy, uh, I bucks. got it. And we wanted to really try out the uh, the multiplayer for Echoes because, oh, this time it's going to have, you know, the motion control aiming. And we quickly found that 
it just wasn't that good. It was way too easy to get out of the way of shots. So missiles were pretty much the only thing reliable for hitting them, for hitting the other player. And then we would basically try avoiding each other. And then the maps were too big, so it was easy to run away and then spend a good deal of time trying to find out, all right, where are they now? So kind of surprised the multiplayer was still in trilogy. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't they know that. <laughs> I'm glad they kept it though, uh, even if just to show that. Oh yeah, this is actually kind of lame. <laughs> uh, Metroid Prime Three doesn't even have a multiplayer. Like they didn't even bother that time around. So mm. yeah, and that's because the motion controls would not have helped. Uh, the Prime games are very clearly not set up for competitive multiplayer. Uh, I still have to see Hunter Hunters, though. So then I think a question we should probably try and address um, is the difference between the motion controls in Prime and the gyro in, um, um, in Federation Force. Right. So the motion controls in Prime compared to Federation Force, well, they're actually based on the pointer. They're not based on... A gyroscope. The the Wii remote doesn't even have mm. a gyroscope. That came with Motion Plus. So it was entirely pointer based. But it functioned very similarly where it locks on. So they stay in the screen, but you have to actually line up your cursor onto the target. So it was sort of like mm. a sort of two-step... Cam- two- the camera was independent of the cursor, so lock-on would only mean the camera focused on it, not the cursor. You still have to line up the cursor to shoot the target. Mm, um, and yeah. I do like that more because it made the shooting much more involved. Uh, there were many uh, opportunities in the first two Prime games when you actually did want to use uh, hold the R button to go into a free aim to shoot at enemies. Uh, more specifically, when uh, the lock-on wasn't sufficient enough you could be like out of lock-on range right yeah they'd be out of lock-on range or you would need to uh, the one i found it the most was usually those swarm of bats because there's just a bunch of them and you try to shoot at them but they're too fast so you would just go into free aim and then just fire a charge shot right into the center of where they're conglomerating Mm. i'd say that um a key thing in in federation force is that um the, everything is tuned around those core dynamics. And I don't think that that was such the case with Metroid Prime 3. You don't think it was tuned with motion control in mind? I mean, not to the extent of Federation Force. Right. I, I can see that, maybe. Hmm. But um, I will say that Prime 3 is actually my favorite, and I did actually like that... Um what the aiming did for it as far as the action gameplay side of things and that there was a lot more action gameplay in general uh some of my favorite bosses um, especially with the other corrupted hunters also you know pretty cool fights so uh, prime 3 was actually one of my favorites so Hmm. it's the one that i if you ask me which prime game would i go look into first to compare to federation force i'd probably go for that one first Fair enough. Something that I've got in the notes, just comparing the games overall, sort of moving away from the uh, from the um, uh, the multiplayer or the motion controls, but the actual overall um, composition of gameplay, um, and that is that 
I think the prime games are, um, are like adventure games, and so like there's a there's a mixture of different types of gameplay. There's combat, like there's the narrative um, bits, there's exploration, there's the morph ball, and so there's these different types um, of gameplay that are kind of put together in different portions so that the player has a variety of um, uh, of completely different types of gameplay that they can engage with um, or you know reasonably quite different gameplay whereas Federation Force is really a cooperative um, first person shooter with um, you know, with a gyro aiming and everything else it's um it's more like an each well, it's not an open area, you know, there's, um, each mission is set in a contained area, there's kind of less, less interconnected webs of areas that come together, and it's more of, you know, finding, you know, like a small secret in the environment that leads to a, you know, to a, um, like a mod chip. Yeah. Um, but, uh, overall, yeah, it's really like an adventure game versus a cooperative, first-person game uh, that is highly varied with that combat system. Mm-hmm. And so, we have to answer the question, what do we prefer more, Federation Force or the uh, or any of the Prime games? Or, e- or even Hunters? Or even Metroid Prime Pinball? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's not even a question. Metroid Prime Pinball all day. You get to place the final boss from Federation Force. <laughs> really? You know, the Samus ball. Oh, Jesus. Oh, sorry. I, <laughs> I, was, thinking, I was thinking of the post-credits sequence. I'm like, they put that in? Or something uh, <laughs> like that in? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I really look forward to um, what they do with that story thread. But uh, we haven't answered the question properly. <laughs> Greg. Um. You know what? Well, my favorite's probably Prime 2. I I really like Federation Force a whole lot, but it relies I I don't think after playing it some more in single player like uh it's not something I would be able to turn to any time. I would need other people to play it with. I think it's just more interesting when you have teammates. Like if you watch Shadow Mario 3's playthrough on hard mode, um He's very skilled and good at the game, but he also has to devolve to very samey strategies yeah, throughout I, the campaign. Yeah, I think team play is a lot more interesting, and so that's you know the blessing and the curse of Federation Force that it's really good. But when you have people, you can uh, you know have over an internet chat to play with. Yeah, absolutely. And it would have been different again if we had another player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is interesting. Anyway, we're still not answering this question very, very what? quickly, are we? Oh, um, so Greg, you answered yours. Two. You said uh, Prime Two, um, yeah. and I love Thraxus, that boss. Um, I, I'm I'm very fond of Prime Two, but uh, uh, Adrian, it's your turn to answer this question. Yeah, um, I admit when I say Prime Three is actually uh, something of nostalgia to me. And I do mean nostalgia because I can't actually remember all the details of the game. If I was to play it right now, a lot of it would be fresh to me again just because I've forgotten so much of it. So 
I admit I'm biased when I'm saying Prime 3, but as far as... What it's I your own s- opinion, man. Yeah, I know. But as it's far like as... um your opinion. <laughs> the combat? Uh, no, uh, Federation Force. I, I like the combat in Federation Force a lot, and I do like that uh, there we got now two Metroids games that are both spin-off-y in a way. Um, t- technically, Other M isn't considered a spin-off, but it is more combat focused from yeah it's not the, really a, a you know through and through metroid game yeah so seeing more co- a more combat focused metroid games uh, yeah i'm i'm down for that um uh, mm. so yeah that's why i enjoy the combat federation force a lot like just comparing it to prime is like yeah there's a whole lot more to sink to dig into with federation force so if you're asking me like just strictly combat oh yeah federation force all day Wait, so your choice is Prime 3 or Federation Force for your personal favorite? Personal favorite, uh, Prime 3. <laughs> okay. Um, for me, my, my personal favorite is Prime 1. So we've got the whole trilogy wrapped up between <laughs> us, haven't we? Um, in saying that, though, like, um, I think that Federation Force uh, is a much... Uh, I've written here, has a higher density of quality design than the prime games and that is i'm to say that what they've done with with you know those core dynamics with the balancing how how they've managed to really um get the most of this um really rich design space is just awesome and i've had a blast i've had a blast or a blast ball playing with you guys so (laughs) (laughs) well you know you mentioned that uh, metroid prime supports a wide diversity of gameplay so naturally when Federation Force just picks the one style of gameplay, it's going to hone that more, right? And that's why there's like a higher density of quality gameplay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, and um, you know, if if the um, the Prime Trilogy games, if their combat systems were more involving, that would kind of like um, disrupt the balance that those games have between you know the different types of um, gameplay. On offer like the exploration and the you know, morph ball whatnot. Whereas I feel like, I suppose you could say, um, Federation Force is more like the <laughs> is more like the morph ball sections in in Prime, where it's you know very focused, um, and it's yeah. I think there's just more um, ingenuity and really great um, smart design in this game, and it's really awesome. And it's a it's a shame that um, the people are stupid. <laughs> yeah. Close minded, maybe. Close minded, yeah. Or, or I mean, you know, that they look at you know elements that um, like surface level elements, like what a you know what the game looks like, and they automatically think that they understand it, um, which is a shame. But yeah. um, you know, like. I would say that uh, Federation Force is, uh, as a shooter, it's like top tier stuff. It's, it's, you know, there's so much to it, and there's a lot more to it than a lot of the AAA shooters out there. Um, like night and day difference. So let's wrap it up. Um, so thank you for for joining us on this um, on this uh, seven hour trip through the galactic. Fit- federation's bermuda system um i'm daniel and i've been joined by greg and adrian and uh, 
Yeah. Take care. And um, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please, well, uh, the series of podcasts, please feel free to um, jump into Federation Force, find some friends. Um, and if you're not sure, try Blast Ball. It's not bad. So, see you later. Later. See ya.